All right, if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, you know the passage well, many of you, or at least it sparks in your mind some thoughts. 1 Corinthians 15. Do a little bit of introduction to introduce it, and then we'll bring some thoughts on it. <clears throat> now, you all got it? 1 Corinthians 15. Now, you know, there is a difference between attending a Bible-believing church, attending a preaching, teaching meeting, and uh, maybe tuning into something after the fact that's been recorded, both audio and video, etc. There's a difference between those two things. And even there's a difference between doing it in person and watching something on video. So in the age that we live in, the time we live in, it is pro probably so. I mean, I don't doubt, I don't think anyone would argue much on this. I doubt they would. That there's a tendency to want to be able to hear something, uh, whether it be while you're working or doing some chore, and you could turn on an audio file and listen while you're driving, doing stuff. That doesn't replace reading books, although I was going to, I would say that I think there's a, a diminishing habit of Christians reading. Uh, obviously, there's definitely a diminishing habit of Christians reading their Bible. Uh, there's a, you go on down, there's a def, you know, a definite decline in the reading of, of books, printed material, uh, whether that be digital or whatever. I personally can retain more that I read holding the book, marking it, um, Whenever possible, I'd rather own the book than borrow it, only because I can write in the margins, and that in itself will make it indelible on my mind. I'm saying all that because I want to say this, that there's many times that we will bring you something that's shorter, it's more brief, than it would be in a, in a Bible study hour in church, or a Sunday school or Bible fellowship in church. And that is not, in my opinion, or in my motive, but giving in to the spirit of the age, it's a practicality. And that practicality is that many times we can work things into our life and pick up a nugget here and there, a thought here and there, a morsel here and there, a drink here and there, <coughs> with our redeeming our time. There was a well-known sales trainer years and years ago that started a thing he called this back when there were cassette tapes, okay? started what he called Automobile University, and he would literally make up a whole course and do it in audio, and they would reproduce it and sell it and stuff, and people would be encouraged to, when you're when they were going, say, between sales appointments or driving to or from work or just whatever, stick it in. Uh, I think that would be far preferable, not the cassette, okay? Uh, I think it would be far preferable than scanning that radio or whatever and listening to all the stuff today on talk radio. It's not a disrespect towards those who are, say, you know, conservative or more like Bible people are. It's not to show disrespect for them, but they really don't say anything but speculation. And they really don't do anything but rehash it and give an opinion. Uh, but everybody gets their following based on finding people or people finding them on radio that they at least semi-agree with. 
And I'm saying all that to say that when we come to our Bible, sometimes there's phrases that are said, and I don't want at all for this to be critical of some phrases that people have said. For example, Bob Jones Sr. said, if, you know, if there was nothing on the other side of that curtain when we pass out of here, etc., I would still want to live the Christian life. And I understand what he's saying. He's saying it's better, you know, it's, it's moral, it's clean, it's pure, etc. But the reality of it is, what I want to look at out of 1 Corinthians 15, because Paul is talking about expressly the resurrection. You know that that's the chapter on the resurrection. And obviously it has to start with the gospel in verse 1. Okay? It has to start with the fact that Christ died for our sins, verse 3, according to the Scriptures. He didn't just die for our sins. He didn't say, well, I'm going to go out here and die. He died as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, as the Passover lamb, that Paschal lamb. He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred, etc., and then he was seen of Paul. When he begins to write about the resurrection, he develops it like God used him to do so. In verse 12, If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So he's talking about the fact that the preaching would be in vain, verse 14, their faith would be in vain. Verse 15, they would be false witnesses if there is no resurrection. And then he makes this statement in verse 19 that I want to focus on as a beginning thought and a short devotional thought. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are at least better off than everybody else. Oh, hang on. That ain't what he said, is it? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, <coughs> it's better than any other life you could live. No, he didn't say that. Do you know what he said? The opposite of that. We are, of all men, most miserable. Now, I heard a really good Christian the other day, so I'm not picking on a, a Christian, was uh, you know, doing like a presentation and singing and stuff. Good, good old-fashioned you know, Christian music. But this Christian said, you know, if there were no heaven, I would still, this would still be the best life ever. And it was like, hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, that, that doesn't bear witness to my spirit. So what is it, Lord? And that, this verse came to mind, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He said, well, I don't get it. Okay, hear me out a minute. If you were never jailed and you weren't slandered, and you weren't stoned to death, and you weren't hunted and defamed and even deserted by some of your own students. If you were as the average American is today, you might say that, okay? You might say if there's no heaven, it's still the best. Now, the, the problem is the blessings that many of us have to rely upon are, is because there is a God and there is a heaven. To me, Paul's statement's right. <clears throat> Paul is absolutely right. If in this life only you have hope in Christ, you'd be of, most, of all people most miserable if you'd ever been jailed, or 
if you'd ever been hindered, persecuted, uh, stoned for being a Christian, hunted, defamed, deserted, divorced, all those things. Why? Because if there is, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, why go through all that? Why live if so many do in other parts of the world right now, today, November 2023? Why go through that if there's hope in Christ is only in this life? If it's just this life, it is miserable. Why suffer? Uh, why die to self? Look at look at this chapter. Look at verse 31 with me. I protest, oh, verse 30. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth me if the dead rise not? Let us eat, drink, and tomorrow we die. And then he says, be not deceived. Evil communications grow up good manners. I want to say this to you. And I'm not picking on somebody. You may have said it yourself if you're a preacher or a teacher. And you may have bought into it. But I'm going to tell you. If for many, many, many Christians. And Paul speaks to us on behalf of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. You need to rethink it. If your life is that easy, if it is that smooth, if it is that uninterrupted by the world, the flesh and the devil, either you're no threat to any of those three and you're completely backslidden or you've lost sight of what this is about. Three things. First of all, religion in this life only is not enough. Saul of Tarsus, who is Paul writing here now, see, Saul had religion. And it was driving him to madness. It was driving him. He was, he was witnessing against people. He was chasing them. He was scattering them. And he even gave witness to some's death. Peter, James, and John, they had calloused religion. In other words, they had calluses on their hands out there working in those nets and in that water. You take Nicodemus, Cornelius, when they had just religion, it was not enough. In John 3, when he said, you must be born again, it's not enough to be, quote, saved, though I believe in that word and I know what many of us mean when we say it, but if you're not born again, you're actually not saved according to the Bible. If you don't have a new life in you, if you're not regenerated, now if you are regenerated, you immediately have at least three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. This life is not enough. The things we say no to and the things we say yes to are completely based upon not just that He died for our sins according to the Scriptures, but that he was buried and he rose again the third day and he ascended. And he's coming back. You look at the end of this chapter. He says, O death, verse 55. Let's start in verse 54. 53. <laughs> 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. See the opposites? See the contrast? If it's this life only, it's corruptible. If it's this life only, it's mortal. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Watch. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is not an earthly religion. Secondly, reward in this life is only is not enough. Religion in this life only is not enough. I mean, okay, let's say you had no Christ. Live moral, do right, be, you know, do good to people. Uh, you know, that's not enough. Without the touch of God, the breath of God, the presence of God, the witness of God, it's not enough. Religion in, in this life only is not enough. Rewards in this life only is not enough. He closes out this passage by saying, your labor is not in vain if Lord, if if in this life only you've got hope in Christ, it is not the best life. It is not the better life. Because if in this life only there's hope in Christ, there is nothing afterward. Be good. Live moral. Take care of things. Enjoy people. Ease up, brother. Ease up, sister. No. No. We're in a warfare. We're in a long, long race. We are walking from the cross to glory. You take helping people and feeding people and watering people and rescuing people just so they can die. We're all going to die, all of us. You labor and you care and you give to help people. You say, aren't those things good? Sure, they're good. But if in this life only, if in this life only, people go to the other side of the world and give their heart, their mind, even their health for decades, miss all those great, you know, family events and stuff back where they came from. And look, it's not just Americans that go out in the other world. There's people from all, all different parts of the world that go out as missionaries and that go somewhere else. There's people that here in the United States, for them to move from one state to another and partake or start a church or whatever, that's a big deal for them. Now, many of you will do it for money, and I don't blame you. If you're going to do it for money, do it for money. But imagine you do something that's sacrificial for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you miss out on all the things that the normal person does, and then there is no hope in Christ beyond this grave, if in this life only. If in this life only, listen, rewards in this life only is not enough. It is not enough to serve Christ to do right, to resist evil, to resist the devil, to die to self daily. It's not enough. Now you understand there's a little paradox going on here. There is hope beyond this life in Christ. That's why we have the relationship. You could not have the spiritual blessings you have if it was in this life only. That's why in verse 20 says, But now is Christ 
risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And he goes on to talk about it. My point today in this short devotion is this. Thirdly, rest in this life only is not enough. R.I.P. You ever seen it written on a cross, written on a headstone? I've seen it many, many a time. I've seen people walk by the casket. I've preached funerals of people who, unless something strange happened, they didn't know Christ. There was no witness of Christ. There was no, no hint. And I've seen people watch them, relatives, friends, walk up to the casket and say, rest in peace, old boy. Rest in peace, old girl. And you don't know if they're going to rest in peace or not. Oh, their body's dead. Their body's laying there. That's why it calls it slept. It gives that appearance. Their soul could be in torment. It'll never end. Rest in this life only is not enough. You take them down to the funeral home. (laughs) You take vacations, holidays, weekends. Great, wonderful. But rest in this life only? There's people who rest in their false religion that we started talking about to begin with. The rest you get from religion. What about the rest you get from finances? Uh, what about the rest you have in in church, in so-called ministry? Rest in leaving behind a legacy. If in this life only, we have that hope. In Christ, we are of all men most miserable. This life is not enough. Now, I understand the little, you know, sentimental saying, but for me, that thing rang like an alarm bell. Lie, lie, lie. Not that that person was trying to lie. They were probably trying to do, you know, say something, you know, pretty good for God and stuff. But that means that they've forgotten. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, if he didn't die for our sins according to the scripture and was buried and rose again and ascended, if that did not happen, if that is not there, that, you know, we don't look forward like the business world does. Our motivation, as Oswald Chambers says, is behind us. It's the cross of Christ. This one thing I do. Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said, It's the cross of Jesus Christ because there's a world to come. It is said that John Wesley was once visiting in the South, was visiting a man, a wealthy man, but a good Christian, well-known Christian. And they were waiting for lunch and he went and stood out on the veranda and looked out over the man's land and he had livestock and had crops out there and just stood and the man walked up behind him, the wealthy Christian, said, Brother Wesley, I've always wondered in times like this, what are you thinking? And he said, well, brother, right now I was standing here looking at all this. And he said, I was thinking this. I savor these things also. I have a desire for these things also. And the man looked shocked. He looked shocked. He said, Brother Wesley, Don't toy with me and play with me like that. He said, no, brother, I do. I too savor these things. 
And then he paused and he looked the man in the eye and he said, but there is a world to come. He wasn't telling that man he had to sell his stuff, give to the gospel, give to God's work. He wasn't telling him he had to. He was letting him know that his lifestyle and his, his denial of self and his denial of things was because there is a world to come. That doesn't mean don't have your house to live in. It doesn't mean have a car. But it does mean imagine if you get to heaven and you live for this life only. It is not enough. This life is not enough. If your church is enough to make you happy and it has nothing to do with eternity, stop and take a stock take. If your ministry, if your daily thing, if your grandchildren, if your friends, if your relatives, if your environment or your climate or your little place you live or big place you live, if that's enough to make you content in Christ and it's not about a hunger for the world to come, Please take stock taking. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There is a world to come.